Our scripture lesson today comes from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus has some words that if you will actually implement them into your lives today, will change your life forever for the good. Let's share in God's good word together. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. No one can serve two masters. You can't. I can't. Jesus says no one can serve two masters. So what masters you? When you wake up in the morning, what's on your mind? For a lot of us, it's work. When you are still, when you get quiet, what worries you? When you're trying to go to sleep, what's going through your head? It is likely, friends, that whatever that is for you, that is your master. And if it's not God, the results are terrible. Sleeplessness, anxiety, fear, hurry, stress, trying to numb that stress, sickness, and more worry. Sound familiar? And that's life. That's what life is like without God in the center. Jesus says it doesn't have to be that way, though. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. As of right now, this moment, for the rest of your life, you can turn your life around by simply placing God first in your life. By saying yes to Jesus and allowing everything else, every result in your life, to be in his good and wonderful and masterful hands. My name is Mark Foster. I'm the senior pastor here. And I'm here to tell you this morning that you are free. Will you say that with me? You are free. Well, yes, I know I'm free. Now look at your neighbor. Tell one of your neighbors, you are free. You are free. And if you don't have a neighbor, I'll tell you. You are free. You are free. You are free indeed, the scripture says. You are absolutely free for a wonderful and joyful life. But it takes courageous faith. It takes courageous faith to live in that peace. To leave that chaos behind. Because when we forget God, we get scared. When life feels uncertain, maybe you'll have an uncertain life. Feels like it moves on you. Your country moves on you. Your job moves on you. Your church moves on you. Your relationships, your small group, your friends. Feels uncertain. And when people feel uncertain, we withdraw and we isolate. And we begin to think in terms of survival. And protecting what we have. And the more you have, the more you have to protect. The more time it takes. And when we finally take time to pray, we think, oh, that's a good idea. I should pray. It becomes a shopping list. Lord, provide this. Bless that. Give me this. Make sure such and such happens for my family. 
Friends, that's not prayer. That's serving another master. The problem is that we become so focused on our needs and our desires and our particular situations that we lose sight of the big picture about what life is really all about. That there's a big, wonderful world out there to explore and enjoy, and then in God's good hands, we are perfectly safe. But this problem didn't start with us. When Jesus shows up on the scene on the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain, he was surrounded by people whose felt needs were so pronounced that they couldn't get past them. I mean, think about the people that Jesus was talking to. They were being oppressed and taxed by an unjust government. They were being led by hypocritical religious leaders that had sold out to Rome. They had their land taken from them, their wealth taken from them. There was no justice. There was no police department to complain to. The children were being confused with the intrusion of both the Greek culture and the Roman culture. They were poor. They did not have enough to eat. Which is why Jesus fed the 4,000, the 5,000, the 7,000. Because that was their need. They needed to eat. They felt abandoned by God. They had been promised a Messiah, but they did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah yet. No promise kept. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus has the audacity to say to this very needy group and to us, do not worry. Can you believe that? Has anybody ever told you when you were having a good freak out, hey, don't worry? How do you feel about that? You're like, you shut it. I'll worry if I want to worry my life. I'll be miserable if I want to be miserable. Right? No, friends, you cannot serve God and your goals. You can't do it. And now, notice uh, a lot of times when you, you, you know it's stewardship season, so this isn't news to you. You're expecting me to, to double down on, you know, God and wealth, because that's what the scripture says. Uh, God and mammon, the, the idol that represents wealth. No, 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 friends. That's true, of course. But to be fair, Most of the people in this room, maybe all the people in this room, you're not worried about what you're going to eat at noon. I mean, you're just not. That's not your deal. It's not my deal. We have more than enough. We do. Now, we're worried about lots of things. But most of us, what happens here in about an hour about whether or not we're going to have food to eat, that's not our concern. But it was theirs. It was theirs. And so Jesus is saying to them at that time, because that was their real concern, you can't serve God and whatever else is worrying you. And I know you're hungry. And so I'm going to take care of that for you. But then you've got to ask yourself here now, what is it that worries you? Because it's probably not what you're going to eat at noon. But it is something. And Jesus says you can't serve God and that something. Whatever that something is, whatever that goal is, whatever you've been working on is you got to put God first and everything else. Leave the results to God. Because, friends, there's always competition for our hearts. Always. There's never a day, there's never a moment where what's going on with you and you're trying to connect with God and be connected to God that something else isn't always pulling you. And if you have little ones, that's a literal pull, right? So Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. No one can do it. No one. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And you might as well say you cannot serve God and anything else. Anything else. 
And this is why. And, and this, is, this is super important. I don't want you to miss this. Do not worry. Because when you do, that worry becomes your master. Isn't that true? Well, what is a master? Master is the one that you answer to. Master is the one that you pay attention to. Master is the one that you go to to get your marching orders. And if worry, if what you're worrying about is that's what's on your mind, that's where you're taking your next steps, your next cues from, that's your master. And Jesus says, you cannot worry because that is your master and you can only have one. You cannot serve two. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Of course it is. And the body more than clothing? Of course it is. And so we we come to this little word that we have to pay close attention to in the scripture, therefore. And you know around here, every time you get to the word therefore, you have to ask yourself the question, what's that therefore, therefore? Because you have to go back and read, okay, well, what is that? What's, What's he saying? Jesus is saying, because this is true, therefore, don't worry. Because it'll master you. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid of the future or the unknown. God's got you. God's with you. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, Jesus is not saying to be irresponsible. He knows the needs of the time and he knows your need. And so he describes two of the needs that were very real to them. And for some of us here, very real to us. The first is what we might call a critical or survival need. Right? They were hungry. They needed food. And, and the second was... Uh, more about appearance, uh, reputation, um, what you look like. And, and, and he knows that those are real needs too. Um, Andy Stanley uh, led a conference a couple of weeks ago, Chantel and I attended. Um, and he said this, and it, it really stuck with me because it's so easy to fall into. He says this, he says, don't be so consumed by what must take place tomorrow that you end up mastered by it today. I want you to think about that. Saturday is often my Sabbath day or my day off. And when the sermon is done on Thursday or Friday, it's a good Saturday. But when I don't know exactly what I'm going to say on Sunday, on Saturday, when I'm supposed to be resting, as my mom would say, I'm not fit to live with. Have you ever worried so much about what's going to happen tomorrow? Some of you are right there right now. You're thinking, I don't have time to be at church today because I got this big thing tomorrow. I got this thing I need to be working on. Matter of fact, some of you are like, oh, I need to. If he, if he looks the other way, I'm going to get out because I got some stuff to do tomorrow. And isn't, isn't this true that you have lost? How many, think into your life. How many days have you lost with family, friends, peace, a good walk spoiled, enjoying nature because of what you were worried about the next day? Am I the only one that's ever done that? No. This is the way we're wired. This is who we are. And we don't have, Jesus says, do not worry because you can't serve two masters. You can't serve tomorrow today. Tomorrow will have enough worries of its own. And so he says to that first critical need, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Of course you are. And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? The answer is... That's not a rhetorical question. I mean, you're supposed to know that, right? No, you cannot. Now, worry will take years off your life, but it has never added them. So that's the answer to critical need number one. Um, Just look at what God does. Look at the birds. He feeds them. 
He'll take care of you. But that's not really most of our needs. Most of our needs come in the second category. He says, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, who was the richest of the rulers, in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. So these next two verses are the answer to number two, these non-critical needs. Jesus again says, look at nature. Look at nature. Now, there's some really interesting studies going on and around. If you're, if you're on Facebook, you can find them there. Uh, you can Google nature research. They've actually found that if you go into nature for uh, even a little bit of time, your cortisol levels drop, uh, your immune system is boosted. Uh, and some studies will say that if you spend an entire day uh, in nature and, and in silence and before the Lord and before his creation, uh, your immune system will be better for at least 30 days. And you know why that is? Because you got to get the focus off yourself. But if you're always worried about yourself, the sickness is just coming. Because you can't heal yourself. That's God's business. Jesus says focus on nature because you need to get the focus off yourself. I could do an entire sermon series on the levels of anxiety, stress, and depression among children much of it is tied to the fact that they're on their screen instead of outside because they see the way to the world, what their friends are doing, and it's all about themselves and their reputation and their life, and it's way too much for a little person. It's way too much for a big person. God says, put it down, go outside. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. Aren't they cute? This is where you go, oh, yeah, I know. Look at the birds. It helps if you feed them, by the way, right? Look at the birds. Look at the blue bonnets. Anybody plant those? No. They just show up. Because that's who God is. They just show up. Look at the lilies of the field, he says. Now, I want you to focus on, on, on these beautiful flowers that God just gives. God could have done anything, but God does this. And, and Jesus says this about God. He says, if God so clothes the grass of the field like this in beauty and majesty and glory, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He says, all those blue bonnets you're looking at, they're just going to be brought together and, and used for fuel. That's how good God is. He could have just used grass, but no, he's going to give you beautiful flowers to dry and throw in for fuel. And if God can do that, just think what he can do with your life. Now, these blanks are for you to fill in. They're not for me. But think about this. If God, what in your life? Now, I'm, I'm going to go way out on a limb here. But I'm, I'm going I'm to guess that God has kept you alive 100% of the days up till to right now. Is that a fair assumption? <laughs> Yet, how many of you all are worried about tomorrow? Well, just think about that. I mean, every day of your life, he has taken care of you. Will he not then continue to take care of you? It, it blows my mind that people, supposed people of faith, will come here, myself included, and trust God with our soul and eternity and not trust him with tomorrow. How ridiculous is that? We say, oh God, you're great, you're glorious, you're wonderful. You have my salvation for all time. But I'm really nervous about 3 o'clock tomorrow. It, make, it makes no sense, friends. 
That's not who people of faith are. So you, so you have to ask yourself, or maybe you don't. It's pretty apparent for most of us. What do you worry about? What do you worry about? What do you worry about? I know for uh, many young families, you worry about your kids. Uh, you know, flu season's coming, and RSV season's coming, and, and all that. And you think, wow, I'm going to be really glad when my kids go to school. <laughs> yeah, you are. And then you... I'm going to be really glad when they get away from all those elementary kids and get to junior high because that's so much easier. And then you think, oh, if I could just get them out of mid-high, that's the hardest part of all. And then they become freshmen in your high school. And you're like, woo, we just got to get those kids out of the freshman academy. We got to get them, you know, get them up into their sophomore and junior year and they just work themselves to death. Think, oh, when they're seniors, they'll just be able to relax when they're seniors. Are you kidding me? You ever talk to a senior in high school stressed about all the colleges or things they're going to do with the rest of their life? Everybody asks them, where are you going to school? They're like, guys, shut up. I don't know. It's not even November. They say, oh, well, you know, you you can show and tell you're empty nesters. You got kids in their 20s. That's that's easy, right? That's easy. Yeah, my youngest son is in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I love it when he drives in other states with people I don't know. It's great. And I sleep well. You see, what we worry about competes for mastery of our lives. If you're not careful, you'll lose your soul. You'll lose your mind. You'll lose your life. Because Jesus tells us we can only have how many masters? If you want any peace, you want any chance at peace in your life, you can only have one master. So Jesus says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? No, no, no. Do not worry. Do not worry. And then he says something that doesn't really hit home for us. He says, for it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Well, if we were to retranslate that today, it's this. For it is the atheists who live like this. God knows your need. Right? Jesus is talking to a Jewish group, a Jewish culture, and Gentiles were outside of the love and care of God and their understanding. It would be like for Jesus is saying, come on, people, you you say that you're Christians, you say that you're people of faith, you say that you put your trust in me. No, no. When you worry about this stuff, you're living like someone who doesn't know God at all. Don't be like that. You don't have to be like that. You're free from that because God is with you. I am with you. He says, so strive first, seek first the kingdom of God. With all that you are, run after these things and God will be with you and he'll give you everything else everything else frantically seek run after you see the thing that that drives us crazy and was true for the early church and is true for us today and will be true in the future is that times of uncertainty and times of oppression and times of hardship is the very time god uses his little lights to shine christians have a great witness if we're actually living it If we actually allow God to be our God and we to be God's people and not worry about all the things of the earth. Now, again, Jesus is talking to Jewish people. Jewish people follow something we call the Ten Commandments. You're aware of this, correct? So everybody knew the Ten Commandments. little Bible quiz. We don't do this often. If you're a guest or first time in church, my, my apologies. What is the first commandment? 
have no other gods before me. Exodus 20, verse 3. No other gods before me. You see, Jesus is simply telling them something they already know. You can't have two gods. Have one God. Have no other gods before me. That's what they knew. This has been around for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So, so he says this. He says, so you, you strive, seek, run after God with all your heart. Keep God first. And all these things will be given to you as well. Why? Because putting God first is the solution to a chaotic life. It just is. It, it puts things in order. You see, because what you worry about tells people a lot about you. How you spend your time, how you spend your money. If somebody were to follow you around for a week and, and they had access to your credit card bill uh, or your calendar, what would they say is most important to you? I don't know. But that's probably your master. Now, I hope you can see this. If you can't see this, try to get to some place where you can see this. This is not new. Uh, as a matter of fact, I heard this the first time in the 80s uh, at a business conference. But it's really important, and I think it works for today. Now, I, w- I want you to know that what happens to me so often is that people come to me, and, and we invite them to, to give their lives to Christ, and they, they do or they think they have. And they, and they say, okay, Pastor Mark, I'm going I'm to start going to church, or I'm going to go to Bible study, or I'm, I'm going to try to live for God now. This is my life, um, but there's some other things I want to add to my life. I want to I add, you know some service projects, and I want to add uh, my kids' school, and we're going to add some more. Um, you know, you get married, you know, you have some kids, you have some more kids. Some of you have even more kids. <laughs> and you get to this, oh my gosh, I can't do life anymore. This is too much. I need help. And, and Pastor Mark has the audacity to say, what you need is God. And you go, yeah, that's what I need. And you say, okay, here's, well, hold on. That doesn't fit. It doesn't work. And Pastor Mark says, all you got to do is give your life to God. And so I've done that. And I'm more stressed. I'm more chaotic. Now i got more things to do. I'm trying to go to soccer and basketball and glee club and dance um, and church and Bible study. My life is worse than it was before. And you are exactly right. It is. I never asked you to do that, by the way. And neither did Jesus. What's Jesus say? Where's God supposed to be? First. First. God says, put me first. So we do. We put God first. And then we say, okay, God, do you want me to have kids? And he says, no. It's easy. Or he says, yes. Right? And you you got some kids. Some of y'all have some more kids. And some of y'all have even more kids. Careers, houses, homeowners associations. They're not rocks big enough for homeowners associations. <laughs> all right. you, you toss all that in there. And you say, okay. And God, God's first. And it's getting a little tight. And you're like, God, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know. But you're in conversation all the time. You're praying. When you wake up in the morning, you say, God, what are you going to do today? 
And when you go to breakfast, you say, God, thank you for this food. How are we doing? And you go to lunch and you say, thank you for this food. Thank you for my family. Thank you for what you're doing. You go to dinner, you say, thank you. And you, before your head hits the pillow, you're talking to God about the day and all the wonderful things you did together. And before you know it, you've prayed five times a day. You're almost praying without ceasing. And God says, don't worry. You're like, but I am worried. He says, don't worry. I've got all of it. Did you put me first? And you're like, well, Lord, you know I put you first. First thing in the morning and first thing in my mind and the scriptures and when I eat and when I lie down and when I stand up. And he says, trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. It'll all fit. It'll all be okay. And is it? If he's first. If he, with room to spare, by the way. There's more things you can fit in here. But he's got to be first. And so please, 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 please do not try to add God onto your already full and busy life and then come and complain to me and tell me that I'm a liar and Jesus is unfaithful. Because I'll just ask you one question. Is God first? Or are you trying to add him to your life where you're the boss and you expect God to serve you? It's a really important question. Who's on the throne? Who's first? I love... Uh, the way Charles Stanley puts it, he has now been the, the senior pastor of First Baptist Atlanta for 50 years consecutively. 50 years. And he said it like this. He said, there have been times in my life where I've had to say to God, God, I'm not even sure what you're saying. But the answer is yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. You are first. You are first. Because this is the truth of it. When you, what you put in first deper, determines the capacity of your life. And think about that. Whatever you put in first de, determines the capacity of the rest of your life. It, it determines your ability to work for God, to do things for God. About where God is in your priority. God first. Everything else fits after my first master, Jesus. God first. You say, well, how do I do that? You have to ask yourself, what are you seeking first, really? And, and that, that's a real question. I want, I want you to think about that. What are you really seeking first? And Jesus says the way you get there, one of the ways, is by prayer. He says, so whenever you pray, again, not like the Gentiles, not like atheists, not like other people. When you pray, you go into your room and you shut the door and you pray to God who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will do what? He knows what you need. You simply show up and God will reward you. He will take care of you. When you pray, close the door, and God will reward you. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I know it happens. It happens in my life regularly. It's happened in my life every day of my life in some way or another. And it'll happen in yours. We see this over and over and over again. I've been the pastor here more than 20 years now. Everything you see on this campus is a piece of God's grace. It was a horse farm in 99. He says, so when you're praying, don't heap up empty phrases that the Gentiles do, for they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. No, no, no. You, our prayers aren't for anybody else. They're for God. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You simply connect, you show up, and leave the results to God. Be rewarded by God, whatever God wants to do. He says, so pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Really hallowed, wonderful, great is your name. And your kingdom, not mine. Your kingdom, Lord, come. Your will be done on earth, right here in this place, in my life, as it is in heaven. What you want. And that simply says this, God, you are the greatest. 
and your plan first. You're first in my life. You're first in this church. You're first in everything. And we leave the results to him. Because God knows we need our daily bread. And God knows we need to forgive as we've been forgiven. And the Lord knows we need to be rescued. That's why we call him Savior. So basically what we're saying is this. We will trust you for what we need. We really will. And we will do for others what you've already done for us. You've already provided for us. You've already forgiven us. You've already given us grace. We'll do that for others. Whoever shows up, whoever we meet, that's who we'll be because that's who you are. Now, there's, there's, there's a thousand stories I could tell you about God's faithfulness. But I want to show you a different story that I think uh, makes the point in a different way. Let's take a look. Our last story tonight began with a mysterious piece of mail. Then things got interesting. Here's Steve Hartman on the road. Normally, no one wants to receive an unsolicited letter from an attorney. Yet that's exactly what some residents of Ripon, Wisconsin found in their mailbox. So I opened it up and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh. No. That's unbelievable. We were shocked. Did not see that coming at all. I said, I'm going to have to read this out loud and see if this says what I think it says. It made you cry. The letter was from an attorney representing the estate of Dennis Valstad. Dennis, who at one point owned the local dry cleaner, died a few months ago at the age of 69. To most people, Dennis seemed to be a man of modest means. But he secretly amassed a small fortune. Although it wasn't just the size of his estate that brought us here. It was the directions he left behind for what to do with it. <laughs> this is Don Jorgensen. I got a bunch of his stuff in here. Executor of the estate. Uh, provision number five. The sum of $500,000 to be divided equally to the individuals that attend my funeral. That's all you had to do was show up? Yeah. That's it. Just attend the church service or simply set foot in the funeral home and sign the registry and his money was yours. Of course, no one in Ripon knew this in advance and Dennis had no wife or kids, so there was no reason for him to expect a large turnout. He was probably a loner. Oh, very much so. He was lonely. To that point, Don also found Dennis's New Year's resolutions. Live a life that is pleasing to God. That's things he wanted to accomplish this year? Find true friends, not be lonely. Those people who did love him enough to attend his funeral. This was a thank you. Yeah. He would have been pleasantly surprised. Darn right he would. (laughs) This is the registry. Dennis may not have had a lot of close friends, but he was endlessly kind. And all these people appreciated that. 270 of them attended his services. Now each one will get about $1,800. Here's the interesting part. And this bonus. This is going to motivate people to be more, more giving, more loving, more understanding. And that's the real gift here. Yeah. That reminder. Yep. That although a funeral is an important time to show someone you care, there is one time better. Sooner. Steve Hartman, on the road in Ripon, Wisconsin. More giving, more loving, more understanding. Thank you. Some of you are going to start attending more funerals. <laughs> Not the point. <laughs> Not the point. Sooner. Sooner. You see, we have a God that tells us, you show up for me, I'll show up for you. 
Matter of fact, really, it's you show up for me and I will blow your mind with all my goodness, all my wonders. The world is in my hands. Now, in your bulletins, you have a little card called a three-month challenge. And if you have been tithing like I have and Chantel and I have all of our lives, uh, this isn't for you. Uh, your pledge card is, but this part is not. Um, we would want you to know, um, we only talk about this once a year, but I think it's fair to say that when we started Acts 2, uh, we knew that God required a tithe, but to start a church was going to require more than normal obedience. And so we promised God at that time, if he would allow us to lead this church, we would give uh, 11% of our uh, gross income or more every year. Um, when we're in capital campaigns, um, that has been as high as it is currently at 20% of our net income. Um, and it's been somewhere between 11 and 20% over the last 20 years. We want you, we tell you that not in arrogance, but to tell you it's possible that we've never gone without anything that we needed. And God has blessed us and blessed us and blessed us and blessed us because we put God first in our finances. And we know that everything else falls under him after that. The other 90% is all that we need. It always has been. It always will be. And you say, well, that, that's fine. You're doing fine now. Well, well, yeah, we are. And so for you all who are tithing, don't, don't worry about this. And, and really, if, if, you, if you are flush, if you are super wealthy, this really isn't necessarily for you. It's good for you. It'll help you too because sometimes you get so worried about where the market is. Is it up? Is it down? You know, what's going on? And you, you can get consumed by the things you own or you think you own or own you. Who, what I really want to talk about is if you don't consider yourself wealthy, and particularly as Jesus did, talking to people who weren't really sure where the next meal was coming from, this is for you. And I know there'll be people that are upset that I'm saying this, but the people who need this the most are people who need to know they can trust God, that God will show up for them. And if you don't know that, if you don't know that God will show up for you, you need to do this. And all this is, is saying, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to place God first in my finances. And I'm going to leave the results to him. Now, I've got to talk to God about everything if I'm going to do this, about all of it. But friends, in 25 years of doing this, Basically, what happens is you tell Jeff, Jeff, raise your hand. He's our business administrator. You let him know. All the details are on the back. You let him know that you've never tithed before. You haven't tithed in a few months, and you want to try this out. You want to see if God will actually show up for you. I want you to know in 25 years of doing this, no one has ever needed their money back. But if you give on this tithing challenge, we will simply take your gift. We will put it in a savings account and hold it until 90 days. And at the end of those 90 days, if you need it back, we'll just give it back to you. No one's ever needed it back because God has shown up and 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 blessed and cared for and shown up in ways that I didn't see coming. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I still don't know how it's going to happen. I also would tell you that no one got a free car or a new mansion or anything weird like that. God simply took care of their need because God is faithful when we put God first. And so I hope that if you've not tithed yet, that you will give this to Jeff today and say, you know what, I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm going to trust him with the results of my life. Because here's the thing, when you've got God on your side, you can't lose. You cannot lose. You have everything to gain. The creator of the, of the stars, the heavens and the earth, when you place God first, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of Jesus' glory and grace.
So our action steps, friends, uh, are simply these. Uh, Pray. When you wake up, three meals, bedtime. It'll change your life because you're putting God first in your thought life and in your heart. Tithe first. Tithe first. First 10% goes to God. Everything else will fall into place. You know, you got to talk to God about it. Now, for us, for Chantel and I, it has humbled us. It has determined where we live, the kind of house that we purchase, what we drive, the kind of schools that our kids go to. Our kids went all the way through public schools. Both of them got scholarships to colleges. We, we knew this. We had to trust God with all of that to go forward. And God has provided at every step. And for those of you who haven't ever trusted God fully with your income, as both Jesus and God has asked, and by the way, you've got to pay your taxes. Give Caesar what's Caesar's. Jesus says that, right? Give the government what's the government. But give God what's God's. He's first. And so we really do want you to take the challenge. And this is why. Because as Paul writes to the early church, I want you to read this with me as a prayer over us all. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. So friends, not only will you have enough for you and your family, you'll have enough to share for those who really are hungry, for those who are in need. And the kingdom will come to earth in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are enough, that you see us, that you hear us, that you know our need, you hear our cry, and that we can trust you with our very lives. Help us to do that. Help us have courageous faith that we will live fully into your kingdom and leave the glory and the grace to you. And Lord, we thank you that you've taught us even how to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.